0: The Daily Tap is live for Tuesday. We're gonna talk about the old-timers being obsessed with Giannis Kumbo, a little bit of Bucks Hornets as well uh, looped in there. We're also gonna talk about will we get an Aaron Rodgers decision today, the Packers in London, and if it's worth taking a trip to London, that will be part of our Chuck's Corner at the very end of today's show Make sure you're following along on social media, uh, Tapping the Keg on Twitter, Tapping the Keg Sports, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Uh, also make sure you're rating, reviewing, subscribing. Uh, most of you probably have already been subscribed, but if you're not, make sure you're taking care of that. Share with friends, tell everybody about what we have going on. I would really appreciate it. Um, we have a fun week this week too. Uh, Shay Ken joining us uh, tomorrow. I no, I'm sorry. Joining us on Thursday show, so we'll talk about the Shamrock Shuffle. We'll talk a little sports. We'll do we'll do a whole different whole bag of things. Um, that's gonna be fun, a little different um, than we usually do. No Mitch this week actually. Um, Mitch is dealing with his car stuff. I don't I can't remember if we talked about that on the pod if we didn't. Um, but yeah, so we have a good show this today. Good shit tomorrow, um, and then we'll talk Shaquan, and then we'll have a nice Friday show, and that'll be the week. So excited to talk to you guys. Let's get into Giannis Antetokounmpo and the old-timers of the NBA. Over the weekend, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo was told that he could not play in the 90s or the 80s by Charles Oakley. Charles Oakley uh, came on a podcast and said that Giannis Antetokounmpo did not belong in the 80s or 90s, that he would be a bench player in his generation. This is the standard boilerplate shit for the older generation in the NBA. For some reason, they think that they played in the hardest generation that there ever was. They think that they played in a generation where no one else could play, that it was like going to war basically. And I realized what's going on in Russia, Ukraine, whatever, that maybe I should not bring up that as a reference, but it feels like that. It feels like these guys basically are obsessed with their generation and that no one else can touch, us and touch it. And it's the precious version of the NBA. While it was a special time to be a fan, and it was a time that ushered in generations of fans, the old-timers that believed no one could play in their generation, and T-Max included, because he mentioned Giannis and a similar thing, in the other generation, which is not necessarily Oakley's generation, is ridiculous and stupid. And we know that it's stupid. We know that they do this to get headlines. We know that Oakley is doing this to sell books um, and, and get his name out there and get him sort of in the ethos of people talking about him. And you know that this made first take, and you know that this made first things first, and all the other hot take artist shows will talk about Charles Oakley saying that Giannis couldn't be, you know, an 80s or 90s player. It's, It's just ridiculous, but it's the standard, and maybe it's a sign of that Giannis is finally permeating into that national conversation. Not that he didn't Before, but that Giannis is at a level where now old timers have to take shots at him. Even though he's considered one of the 75 greatest players of NBA history, still there is a belief that Giannis couldn't play in other generations. In my opinion, if you're a top 75 player, you probably can play in generations that aren't your own. Um, You know, I think a guy like Michael Jordan could easily play in today's generation. That's obvious, right? But I also think someone like LeBron James could play in the 80s, could play in the 90s, could play in the 70s. Would he be a different player? Yeah, same with Giannis. Like, Giannis would be a post player, right? Giannis would be a guy that would be doing things more in the post, and they wouldn't have him shooting threes, and he would just be attacking the basket. And there would be people that would want Giannis to get bigger, to deal with, like, Shaq and and other guys. But Giannis would kind of be this this post player that was just making buckets around the paint and grabbing rebounds. That's all Giannis would do. If you want to like a weird comparison, it's not exactly accurate because the guy came over late in his career. But Arvidas Sabonis was kind of a Giannis before his time, where he was a bigger dude who played out outside, could shoot the three. Um, but by his time, he got to the NBA, he was you know well past his prime and very old. I'm not saying they're one and one, but I'm just trying to get people to understand like there were guys who are similar to what Giannis is now. Um, and same with like LeBron, right? LeBron would have also been more of a post player and not necessarily what you see today where he floats and he isolates on the wing and he's more of a wing guy than he is a power forward. But that's the thing about generations because everybody's different with the way that basketball was. My dad, I mean, I realize this is not basketball, this is football. My dad... ...is maybe 6'3", he was 190 pounds, and he was a center in high school football in in suburban Chicago. That would not fly today. There is no way that someone could be 190 and play center in... Oh, and I'm I'm talking football, not basketball, by the way. (laughs) Uh, Offensive line. There's no way that anyone could be an offensive lineman at that size in today's world, in today's generation. But in his generation, they could. And for someone my stature, who's about 6'5", 300, there is no way that I would have fit in in the 70s. People would have looked at me like a freak. I There weren't people that were that tall. There weren't people that were as big as me. So this idea that like we have to compare generations and be like someone doesn't belong or someone doesn't mean anything is ridiculous. And like If you talk about Charles Oakley and what the player Charles Oakley was, where he's a big enforcer and he's kind of a slow plotter, he would be a buyout guy. What's the difference between Charles Oakley and DeAndre Jordan? Not much, honestly. Like I know, I realize DeAndre Jordan has lost a step and he's lost sort of that spring in in his legs, but Charles Oakley would not really belong in this generation. So Charles Oakley couldn't play in this generation. He'd get run off the court the way that he fouls guys at the lane would be flagrants now, would be hard-ass fouls and he'd have to tweak that part of his game. And there aren't really guys that just get rebounds and an occasional bucket or two. Those are few and far between. And when they do happen, they're kind of phased out. Char- would you really think that Charles Oakley would be part of a playoff rotation? Maybe, but I'm not sure. So this idea that Oakley can run up and be like Giannis would not be a part of our generation or he be a bench player is so fucking ridiculous. Like, really credit to Isaiah Thomas, who I'm not, I don't want to say that I'm always an Isaiah guy, I don't think anyone really is, but Isaiah came to Giannis's defense on NBA TV yesterday. The Bucks were playing on NBA TV, and it, and Isaiah comes to Giannis's defense and says, Look, he would have dogged anybody in the 80s or 90s, and perhaps to Thomas for realizing that Giannis is special, that Giannis would be able to do it all. Now Isaiah Thomas would always find a you know moment to rag on Charles Oakley because they were longtime rivals. They still are rivals. So it's not surprising that Isaiah comes to Giannis' defense because it's a comment made by Charles Oakley. But still, it's good to see one NBA old-timer be like, yeah, Giannis is special. Giannis could play anywhere. Now, we've heard Char- Shaq's called him the Superman. Uh, Charles Barkley has been very complimentary. Kenny Smith Guys who watch on a regular basis know what Giannis is and know that Giannis could play. But Barkley is not, you know, absolved from this because he's made comments about the Golden State Warriors that I think are patently ridiculous and that are similar to, well, in my generation type bullshit. And so I'm not necessarily absolving Sir Charles of anything here. But what I am saying is that people who... Watch a little bit more, tend to understand the greatness of Giannis Antetokounmpo. I appreciate the motivation for my guy because you know that Giannis is going to use this as fuel, and it's going to propel him for the rest of the season. If he needed something to kind of get him going, he needed a chip on his shoulder. Oakley sure as hell provided that, and because of all the attention that Charles Oakley got for this, and this is the. Danger, or this is the annoyance of social media, you're going to have other old players come out and say the same fucking thing because everybody's going to ask him. I'm just using him as an example. I haven't seen him on a podcast or anything. But, like, imagine someone has Mitch Richmond on a podcast, right? And it's like, Mitch could could Giannis play in your generation and Mitch is like no fuck that no way of course that goes viral that's that's a topic it's like Mitch Richman agrees with Charles Oakley and and everything like that and that's how the NBA content machine works it's there is some sort of obsession with generational talents instead of just seeing that things are different they're never going to be the same it's interesting to think about but If anything, Oakley's commentary about Giannis should have been, you know, I don't know because he probably wouldn't have done the things that he does today. You know, we didn't have seven foot guys going outside of the paint. Giannis would have been a center and I'd be really curious to see how he would do against Hakeem and David Robinson and other players. He would probably be similar to Hakeem if anybody looking for a comparison. That's all Oakley should have said, but that doesn't make headlines. That doesn't go viral. That's not going to sell any fucking books. So Charles Oakley, of course, went to the lowest hanging fruit to say, oh, this guy doesn't belong. It is the least inclusive, you know, thing that we have in sports. It's these guys who say generational talents do not belong in their generation because heaven forbid, could someone step on their generation? But Giannis is one of one, man, and Giannis can do do no wrong, and Giannis would play in any generation. He would just be a different type of player. So I appreciate the motivation from Charles Oakley. I hope that it helps him sell three or four books instead of one, and that we'll we'll get more smoke as the year goes on, and we'll continue to shoot down the haters. Speaking of the haters, the Bucks shut me down yesterday. Uh, they had a 130 to 106 victory over the Charlotte Hornets. They were very impressive. They were the team that I think we saw in Portland, that the team we saw against the Clippers and the Lakers, that team that we saw for a brief minute came back to life. That was just dominating You know, from start to finish, was really good defensively. I thought the Bucks were just an absolute unit um, when it came to shutting down what the Hornets wanted to do offensively. They had no answer for Giannis inside. Giannis had a great game, 26-16. Uh, and 16. His defensive effort was special with four blocks, two steals. Giannis also had six assists. He filled up the stat sheet, 14-14 from the free throw line, by the way. Uh, and Giannis is shooting like 90% from the free throw line. I think not enough is being talked about about Giannis's recent stretch of free throw shooting. I think that's something that we need to consider. Even if we want to be like, yeah, the Bucks have some real concerns. One concern is not Giannis's free throws. They are not wasting a lot of opportunities at the free throw line when it's Giannis Antetokounmpo. Weirdly, the person that struggled from the line has been Drew Holiday, especially in late game tight situations for whatever reason holiday has not been good he did play well in this one you think he had 17 or something all the bucks were in double figures and including Javon Carter who also was in double figures so six guys in double figures in this one and the bucks did not have any worries in the third quarter the third quarter went smoothly for Milwaukee they had a 20 plus point lead and they never really let go of it they were up 30 by the middle of the fourth quarter and they were able to bring in some reserves so Giannis think. I think only played 28 minutes a lot of the guys got a little bit of a break which is important because you have four games this week uh, with miami on wednesday chicago friday and then phoenix on sunday none of those games are going to be cakewalks so to get the guys a little bit of rest was a really good thing to see keep an eye out on the the lineup of javon carter drew holiday deandre bembry Santa Antetokounmpo, and serge Baca. That is a torture chamber level defense. That is a defense that can give people fits. It's gonna take some time. They're not gonna have it all together. But watch that lineup more and more because I do think you're gonna see the Bucs roll that out, especially in a third quarter where you're trying to shut things down. You're trying to make sure that the first half lead gets preserved. Bringing out some of your best defensive units with Giannis and Drew, who can both score, is really good. I really like what I've seen from Javon Carter. I can't believe the Nets let him go for Goran Dragic. I, I realize that Javon Carter, you know, might not necessarily be a guy you can rely on to score 10 points a game. But his defense alone really helps the second unit because you can rotate guys in, whether it be Giannis, whether it be Drew, whether it be Chris Middleton, even Bobby Portis for that matter. You know, guys that can score with, you know, Carter, Bembry, like that, that can work. That can really work. And I think you'll see more of that and Bud continue to tweak and experiment and find new lineups for Milwaukee kind of going forward but yeah it was a it was a really good game for Milwaukee Giannis, like I said, was dominant. I thought Holiday and Bobby both played well. They would probably be my golden kegs, if you will. Golden kegs kind of died on me, unfortunately, which, eh, you know, you win some, you lose some. Might bring it back at some point. But, yeah, it, it's definitely uh, a topic that is not as strong as it used to be. But, yeah, good win for the Bucks. Miami on Wednesday will be a really, really big one for Milwaukee to have. Um, obviously, we're taping with Shannon that night, so we'll not necessarily have instant reaction. Love the reviews and stuff on social, Tabbing the Keg, Tabbing the Keg Sports, but um, it will not necessarily be on the podcast until Friday, which we'll get ready for Bucks Bulls. I'm sure talk a little bit about Bucks Heat as well. So, good win for the Bucks. Hopefully, they can keep it up. You know, one win is nice. Um, two wins is better three wins is is the is the peak so we'll see what happens as this week goes on switching gears we've talked a lot about basketball here in the first couple days of the week moving on to football so aaron Rodgers, will a decision happen today i do not know Um, i have no intel On this, as you would imagine, I'm not a a newsbreaker, Ian Rappaport did say that Aaron and the Packers are working on a short-term deal, which would mean that the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers are ripping up his current contract, that his current contract is being altered for a short-term deal, which is really interesting uh, to hear, which means that Rogers, you know, believes that he has either one or two years left in him. Remember when I said the, uh, last week that it wouldn't shock me if they went for a one-year $50 million deal and were able to defer some of that money and were able to figure some of that money out. Now, Rodgers and the Packers have both been adamant that it is not about the money. The more I think about the Rossini report of the $50 million, the more I believe that it did not come from the Packers or Rodgers. It came from the Denver Broncos. It came from another team who was trying to shake up the apple cart, who was trying to see how stable the Rodgers and Packers relationship really was. And that maybe there could be some shaking. There could be some anger, some upset you know, feelings and throw Rodgers off a little bit. It didn't happen. Uh, everybody came out in full throat, saying that it was un- not true, it was false, and that they came out full guns ablazing that it wasn't about the money, and that people are pretty convinced on both sides of the aisle that it was not anything Packer or Rogers related. Rather, you know, someone else flapping their gums and trying to throw these two sides off the scent. So, if this short deal is coming today. And it is Aaron Rodgers, whether it's two years for $75 million or three years for $75 million, or something else where Rodgers can get sort of the satisfaction of being one of the top quarterbacks or the top paid quarterback. We'll, we'll just have to see. Um, and today would be the day that it is Pat McAfee Tuesday. Granted, Rodgers has another full week before making that decision, before the Packers have to make a franchise decision on Devontae Adams, which I expect them to take Devontae Adams regardless because they just need it as a bridge for an extension. And I think Brian Gunacous said as much in his press conference. Now, Brian meets with the media at the Combine. I don't know if it's today or tomorrow, Uh, But it all kind of points to Aaron Rodgers maybe making this decision in the next few days. I think Rappaport saying that a decision is expected soon and that they're working on a short-term deal was not a coincidence at all. I think that is Rappaport from the Packers saying what he has. I think Rappaport's more of a Packers guy, and that's where you get some of the Packer leaks a Palisaro, I could also put in that category as a Packer guy versus a Rodgers guy. So I think that's coming from Green Bay to say like, hey, yeah, uh, we're working on this. We're getting close and a decision, I wouldn't say is imminent, but it would not surprise me if we have an Aaron Rodgers decision. That's why I didn't lead with Aaron Rodgers because I was convinced that he was going to make that decision today. And I, I realize that people might even be sick of talking about Aaron Rodgers because it's been all we've discussed since the end of the football season. And it's it's not really taken a ton of winding roads. I think more and more that people thought about it, the more and more that they heard from Rodgers and heard from the Packers, that it sounded like Rodgers was saying this is way less dramatic than anybody wanted it to be. Um, this is like public broadcasting and not the Real Housewives. I think a lot of people wanted it to be this like Bravo-like reality television show between the Packers and and Rogers, where barbs are being traded left and right, and it just hasn't been. And so maybe again, that was the Rusini report coming out was maybe the last gasp of it, where a team was like, "All right, fuck it, we're gonna try to really you know make this messy," and it didn't happen. Um, Green Bay and Rogers are very well connected. I don't make anything. Of him and Adams not being in the London graphic, I think that was so the Packers wouldn't get dunked on later later in in the year if something went wrong. I'm sure that came from came from top and said, Look, don't put don't put them in any graphics yet. We have no idea what's gonna happen. We wanna play it safe. I believe that's what happened if I'm thinking how social media works and everything else. People went crazy. It became a clicky sort of thing to talk about, but I don't think it was anything worth getting all upset about. So I do believe that today might be the day for Aaron Rodgers, but if it isn't today, if it's Thursday, if it's Friday, if it's fucking Saturday, we'll just kind of roll with the punches and react as, as we will. Um, I think there's no point in trying to guess what what the contract might be. I think it's really interesting that Kyler Murray is trying to push on the Cardinals to get tr- get his extension early um, because that kind of changes the game of you know rookie quarterbacks. It's always been that fourth year. It's always been after that fourth year and Kyler's trying to push it to three. Some people say it's connected to the fact that Michael Bidwell, the owner of the Cardinals, notorious cheap guy, did not want to play the play the playoff bonus after the the performance that Arizona put out against the Los Angeles Rams. Now, they Bidwell has said that's categorically untrue, and all the things that you would as an owner. But Eric Burkhart, who represents Kyler Murray, and wrote that ridiculous statement to Adam Schefter, which I, like read the i, I don't want to read the room but but read the room my guy like no one's fucking reading like 8 inch font on a social media post like fire your social media director like let me run your social all you'd have to do is do bullet points and like here's what we want and it's just three or four big ass bullet points So people can digest it, people can turn it into social. Like it became a meme in its own right. Like that to me, if you let your content become a meme, you fucked up. That should be like a way of life at 2022. If you let your content get to that point where it's a meme, that's on you. So the fact, but back to Kyler, the fact that he kind of wants to shake up their own apple cart, and basically say all right well i want a new deal in my after my 3rd year completely changes how people might do quarterbacking in the future i, I saw somebody oh, i don't know who it was i apologize someone's like this could completely change the landscape of you know rookie quarterbacks and they're right like this this sort of changes what we've came come to expect where it's like you have this 4 year window before you have to pay a quarterback and now kyler is trying to short Shorten it, and guess what? He will not be the only one. You'll see Joe Burrow do this. You'll see Justin Herbert do this. I don't think Tua has the ability to do this because he hasn't been that good, but I do think Bur- Burrow and Herbert will come to the table next year and be like, hey, we want our fucking money. And we're not gonna wait. We wanna be paid now. And so I do think that this could really impact the league worldwide if the Cardinals get it, give in. And who knows? We'll see. Um, Steve Kim meets with the media today. Um, so it'll be interesting to hear his commentary. But yeah, this could change a little bit of what they're doing with Rodgers as well. Like Rodgers could see a ripple effect here if Kyler gets the extension before they make, make whatever decision they make on Rodgers. And I know Murray and his staff know Rodgers has this decision looming. Burkhart came out in defense of the quote-unquote 50 million to surprise of nobody because again kyler is his is his his represent he represents kyler so of course that he's like yeah let's have a quarterback get 50 million we'll ask for 51 which would be ridiculous and i would never give kyler kyler murray 51 million I, i would have problem giving kyler murray 40 million i i will say this this will be my last comment and i realize we kind of went off to you know just more of a national topic but i i do think that it impacts rogers Kyler's not worth $30 million. To me, Kyler Murray has not proved it. Kyler Murray is a regular season, maybe a bad stats, good team, or a, a good stats, bad team guy. I'm not convinced Kyler Murray can win in January. And if I were Arizona, I would think about it. I, I would I would just think about maybe looking at it and saying, Are we sure we want to go down this path? You have Vance Joseph on your staff, who was a head coach at one point, uh, who maybe got a raw deal in Denver. Could you really just say, fuck you both, fire Cliff, name Vance Joseph your head coach, and then go go trade Kyler to like Denver or something, and then take whether it be Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, someone like that with the ninth overall pick. It sounds crazy to do, just given that Arizona has put all their eggs in this basket, but I just don't know if I want to give Kyler Murray all that money. To me, Kyler Murray is the James Harden of the NFL. I kind of have toyed with that take. I'm going to officially stamp that that is my take. I think this is going to be bad for Kyler, for Arizona, and it's going to be Harden-esque for the Arizona quarterback. All right, let's move back to Green Bay. Uh, They are going to London. That was announced yesterday, really uh, right after, I think I had put the podcast out, um, and that the Packers are going to be one of the representatives in London, joining the Saints and the Jacksonville Jaguars. The aforementioned Arizona Cardinals will be in Mexico, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be in Germany. So the first time that there will be five NFL teams traveling abroad, Coincidentally enough that the NFC has nine home games this year and four of the five teams are NFC teams So the NFL has almost built a way to make sure that teams go abroad and it's basically taking away Their extra home game for maybe teams that don't exactly need it. I don't know about arizona I guess with the the proximity to mexico you can get some of that that share back in um, but, and kind of build that fan base, you know, that fan base, you know, in Mexico, I don't know the demographics, but it's mostly Raiders, it's Cowboys, it's 49ers. That to me is more of what Mexico is, but maybe it's a chance to build that fan base for Arizona. And that kind of is a trickle effect to more people attending, you know, in Glendale. So I do think that that's a little bit different than what you have with Tampa Bay, what you have with New Orleans, what you have with Green Bay. You know, Tampa, New Orleans, and Green Bay can all probably withstand losing a home game. New Orleans, I think, has a Super Bowl upcoming. If they don't, um, they have a lot of things that go on at the Caesar Superdome. They're printing money there, so they don't have to worry about it. Tampa just had a Super Bowl. They just had all the, you know, playoff revenue from Tom Brady. They, they've they're doing okay. And then Green Bay, you know it, right? Like Green Bay always does well. So there is obviously some local people that will likely be upset that Green Bay is losing a home game, that Green Bay is not getting that home treatment uh, that, you know, some others might. And I, and I get it. I, I get the frustration, but you have to look at it like, you were going to have these eight games. Green Bay had to get overseas. They were the only team that hadn't. The NFL needed to check that box, and this was a great opportunity for them. And probably, I saw a cheese, I think it was Packer Wire, not Cheesehead TV. Packer Wire, you know, had said it points to the Giants. I didn't read the articles. Apologies, I should have probably done that. But they thought that the Giants would be a team, which is an interesting theory, I think that makes a lot of sense that the Giants could be the team just considering the fact that the Packers play two New York teams uh, this year both at home so there's not maybe that excitement there and on the same time the Jets would be a CBS game and so CBS would likely want to keep the Packers you know in place and would like to have that game you know be there now granted they could get the rights to the international game and that could just you know, work it work itself out. But yeah, I I think the Giants are a worthy candidate for this for this game. Obviously, travel for Giants fans would be pretty easy to go across to London. Um, so we'll we'll keep an eye on what team will be the London representative with the Green Bay Packers. But I'm pretty excited for this game. Not gonna lie to you. I understand that people are upset maybe about the home game, but I'm I'm stoked. Like, I think this is going to be a really, really good time. You know, the game will be probably around eight thirty uh, to hopefully not have to sweat out a Packer, Packer London game. But eight thirty start time will be a lot of fun to wake up, have coffee, have bloodies with the Packers. I think you'll end up seeing a lot of bars opening up early for that game. I think not a huge like watch in in a bar, but I think that would be a moment where it would be a lot of fun to go out to a bar and watch this one, especially if it's early in the season where you could maybe be even outside. Like thinking like Nomad, right? Nomad does a lot of early for soccer, but if they did it for, for football, I think it would be a lot of fun. Um, and so I, I do have an inkling to maybe potentially do that. Um, so we'll see, maybe we'll do some content. We'll we'll just have to see how the year year goes out. But yeah, 830 Packer Gabe should be a lot of fun. Uh, should definitely be a little bit different than what we've seen throughout our years. This is our first experience with it and could be a good time Versus just the normal run of the mill, and everybody bitching. Well, the Packers haven't, you know, they have so many international fans, and they haven't got over there. Well, they're they're finally making amends there, and this will probably be the last time they're there, Um, unless the response is so good that the NFL can figure out a way to send Green Bay there multiple times. A fun fact, though, no team has made the playoffs with going to London. That is absolutely absurd uh, that you have not had a team make the playoffs who have went over to London. That is a fact that kind of gives me a little bit of heartburn, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. So hopefully that is not something that will end up being the case. It's crazy though that no one has made the playoffs since going to London and going overseas. That's wild to me. So for those wondering, should we go to London For a Packer game, I would say this. If you were thinking about going to London, you know, we haven't been able to travel abroad since really the pandemic. I mean, some people have in different spots, but I do think by this fall, you should be able to easily travel overseas and it shouldn't be that much of an issue. I think that if you wove it into a bigger trip and you were like, one day we're going to go watch the Packers play the Giants, or go play whoever, I think that's totally okay. Like I Do I think you should just do a weekend in London and it ends with you seeing the Packers? No, but could you do a 10-day trip and the Packers are kind of in the middle of it? Absolutely. I thought London was a great time. I went with my family. It was like our last family trip in 2018. We did a lot of sightseeing because that's what my mom wanted to do, and it was for my late grandma who loved – London and loved kind of British history so went to a lot of places I thought Windsor Castle was great I thought the food people always are like oh the food sucks it's that doesn't suck it's pretty good Uh, especially if you enjoy you know some of that pub food you know that fish and chips life or if you're more on the Indian side of things there is a large Indian contingent in in Uh, London so that's always available to you and that's always readily there whether it be you know off a street corner or in a very you know nice upscale restaurant you know there they have options it's definitely not a place that you will starve and the transportation's good and it's so big so it's not necessarily somewhere where you're going to be lost for things to do. So I would recommend it. I think it would be a really fun time. Um, I've wanted to go back to London just as, you know, with my wife. So, cause that's a little bit different than the family stuff, right? You know, you probably see some similar sites, but you'd also probably do some different stuff. You'd probably you know check out some of the bars and restaurants that maybe your parents weren't they were like all right call it at eight or nine o'clock at night and you're like oh I want to stretch my legs a little bit not that you're going to get rowdy or anything I I've never really gotten rowdy on vacation I don't know about you guys but I've never like I've had a few beers and been like I kind of feel like drunk or whatever but I've never like Went out like I would on a Saturday night, you know, out in whether it be when I was in Dublin or Copenhagen or Oh actually, you know what, we did go out pretty hard in Copenhagen. It was like a bar, it's like a bar crawl in Copenhagen, but then my wife got her phone stolen and that kind of dampened the night. We were, I mean, vibes were high that night we were having a really good time a lot of fun really fun people too and then she got her her phone pickpocketed and that ruined the fucking night so shout out to that guy for ruining what was an awesome evening in Copenhagen but yeah it's it's few and far between but still yeah I would I would recommend London London was a lot of fun um food like I said is not as bad as people make it out to be um there's a ton of shit to do would I go for just the Packer game no Um, The travel's not bad, too. It's like usually you can get a quick like seven-hour flight direct from Chicago. But still, fly seven hours just to watch the Packers play. A little excessive. Flying seven hours to do like 10 days in London, not excessive at all. I think that's perfect. I think you'd have a lot of fun uh, doing that. So if London's on your bucket list and you're like, okay, we can make this work, I have no idea what tickets look like. But yeah, that could be... That could be a lot of fun. And also, too, last thought here as we wrap it up, um, which I forgot to mention at the start. No coincidence that the Green Bay Packers are also in the finalists for the NFL Draft in 2024. Like how that works, a little, uh, little hey, I scratch your back, you scratch mine, sort of thing. We'll see if the Packers are able to land the NFL Draft. That's been a, an accomplishment for Mark Murphy. It's been something he's been trying to do for years now. Uh, so we'll see if with we'll see if he's able to get that done as well. All right, that does it for today's show. We're out of here. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, we'll talk. Probably do a little bit of Badgers Purdue, honestly. Um, I'm maybe not the open, but it's one of those games where we have to talk about it. It's a top ten tilt. Shout out to Titus and Tate, uh, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk maybe a little bit about that. Um, we'll see if Rogers makes any sort of decision. And anything else that uh, comes across the wire. All right, and maybe we'll have baseball. Uh, they extended their deadline. I was probably going to talk about how much I hate everybody, um, but I didn't. I don't have to yet. So we'll uh, we'll save it for another day. As baseball extends their deadline, let's hope they get it done and hammer it out. It feels like they're getting closer and closer. Let's hope today is the day we have agreement, we have alignment, and everybody can get back to playing baseball and have spring training again. All right, take care, guys. Have yourself a great Tuesday. We'll be back tomorrow. See you. Bye.